0: Two three WRFLEN test test
1: WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community.
2: Head to WRFI.org slash donate.
1: 2021. I'm Michaela Sabbath,
3: And I'm Eitan Afgar. After the headline news, you'll hear from the Greater Ithaca Activity Center Executive Director, Leslin McBean Claiborne, who reflects on the center's annual event held Saturday in honor of Martin Luther King Day. But first, here's the weather forecast, courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, possible snow with lows in the mid-20s. Tomorrow, there will be a chance of snow again with highs in the mid-30s. Tomorrow night, Possible snow with lows in the lower 20s. Looking to Wednesday, more snow is likely with highs in the upper 20s.
1: And now here's tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. In local news, a case of the COVID-19 UK variant has been reported in Tompkins County. This individual was returning from travel and immediately moved to quarantine, according to a health department press release. A complete contact check identified no close contacts. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, continues to state that the variant is more contagious, but there is no evidence that it's more dangerous to the individual. New York State's first reported case was on January 4th. County Public Health Director Frank Krupa is encouraging residents to continue to wear masks, avoid crowds, and keep distance from one another.
3: Tompkins County Health Department announced Friday night that all available doses of the COVID-19 vaccine were administered during last week's clinics in the county. The department, in partnership with Cayuga Health System, administered around 2,000 doses during the three clinics' held. In total, over 7,000 doses of the vaccine have been administered in Tompkins. According to the press release, the health department does not expect another shipment before tomorrow, and no clinics will be scheduled until the vaccine arrives. Residents are asked not to call the Health Department or Cayuga Health. However, New York state COVID-19 vaccination hotline can be reached from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week for scheduling vaccination appointments for New Yorkers in Phase 1A or 1B. The number to call is 1-833-NYS-4VAX. That's 1-833-697-4829. Updates on further vaccination clinics can be found on the website, TompkinsCountyNY.gov slash health and click on COVID 19 vaccine.
1: Now we'll take a look at the local COVID 19 caseload. The number of hospitalizations in Tompkins due to complications from the virus are at 21 as of today. According to the Tompkins County Health Department, there are 261 active cases of COVID 19. Today it was reported that there are an additional 18 positive cases and 30 people released from quarantine. Over in Schuyler County, there was no update today of caseload changes after the weekend. According to their health department, there were 53 active cases of the coronavirus as of Friday.
3: Ithaca resident Leslie Schill has announced her candidacy to fill a recently vacated District 2 seat on the Tompkins County Legislature, reports at the Ithaca Times. Her platform is focused on public health. She pledges to address the local COVID crisis as well as collaborate with the county health department to ensure efficient vaccine deployment. She also hopes to expand child care options and nutrition programs, develop more affordable housing, and preserve environmental health through water and land quality improvements, among other priorities. As a local planner, she has experience working in government and producing initiatives, including community development and restoration, parks, trails, affordable housing, and green energy plans. She is currently head of Cornell Campus Planning Office and the vice chair of the Tompkins County Planning Advisory Board. She is the Program Oversight Committee member of the Community Housing Development Fund, a joint effort of the county, city, and Cornell. District district 2 includes Fall Creek, Cornell Heights, and the area between University and Stewart Avenues. Anna Kellis held the District 2 seat prior to being elected to the New York Assembly to represent the 125th District. The special election to fill her seat is set for March 23rd.
1: Now on some New York state news, WSKG is reporting that the withholding of state funds is threatening New York's progress in the fight against AIDS. 2020 was New York's target year to end the HIV-AIDS epidemic, with fewer than 750 new infections per year. The trend was reportedly moving in the right direction, with around 2,400 new infections in 2019. However, John Barry, the executive director of the Southern Southern Tier AIDS program, says the ballooning state budget has impacted harm reduction programs, resulting in new new infections. The state is withholding contracts while awaiting the arrival of federal COVID-19 aid, which may never materialize. The contracts fund syringe exchange programs, including three in the Southern Tier, and alcohol wipes, Without these supplies, people are forced to reuse or share needles. According to the CDC, non-sterile needles can lead to viral hepatitis, bacterial and fungal infections, among other complications. Broken needles can cause wounds, and lack of alcohol wipes can lead to abscesses, each resulting in trips to the emergency room. Barry is also concerned about the diversion of a state rebate program, the 340B, which supports smaller clinics caring primarily for people on Medicaid. Without funding, these clinics may be forced to close. Barry warns these funding cuts will result in a rise in new HIV infections.
3: In national news, Kamala Harris is set to resign from the US Senate. Biden announces ambitious plans for his first ten days, and Lindsey Graham has warned for both president and has warnings for both president and president elect. More on the latest U.S. news, courtesy of our friends over at Pacifica Network and the Public News Service.
2: Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we track the transition and uncharted territory. It is the honor of my life to be your next vice president. Kamala Harris leaves her Senate seat today, two days before making history as the first female vice president. She'll also be the first person of color to hold the office. Harris kicked off five days of inauguration events Saturday night with a message for the nation's youth. Dream with ambition, lead with conviction, and see yourselves as future
4: leaders, as the very best of our country, because that is who you are.
2: The Biden-Harris team's encouraging Americans to participate in the Martin Luther King National Day of Service and celebrate MLK Day tonight with an online event. Come January 21st, Biden has a 10-day blitz of executive actions aimed at addressing COVID-19, the economy, racial injustice, and climate change. It's a comprehensive and daunting list, according to D.C. lobbyist Nicole Venable. If you take all of those together, that's a holistic look at America as a system. That's what they're going to be taking on. That's why it's
5: so daunting.
2: Venable expects Harris to be key in advancing the policies.
5: I want to call her his secret weapon. but I think she's going to be playing a very different role than many vice presidents in the
2: past. I see it more as a tandem couple. State houses were relatively peaceful this weekend, and unprecedented security measures in the U.S. Capitol helped avoid possible violence. Senator Lindsey Graham urged President Donald Trump to not pardon the insurrectionists in the January 6th riot, warning it could hurt his image. But the South Carolina Republican had the opposite message for Biden. If you do not stand up against the impeachment of President Trump after he leaves office, You're an incredibly weak figure in American history. Graham reiterated GOP claims that impeachment would only further divide the country. A new NBC poll indicates President Trump's approval rating is 87 percent among Republicans. Overall, his approval has only gone down two percentage points since his early days in office. Twitter suspended the account without giving reason of Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Greene of Georgia. She plans to introduce articles of impeachment against Joe Biden on his first day as president. Green and other Republicans who to accept Biden's electoral win do continue to face backlash. NFL. 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 Texas Senator Ted Cruz had protesters outside his Houston office demanding his resignation on Saturday. Hundreds of efforts to help the nation come together have started since the 2016 election, including Braver Angels. Their chief marketing officer, Kieran O'Connor, says bridging the divide requires having conversations without judgment with those with opposing views.
4: We've seen what happens when we don't talk to one another. We've seen the consequences of an increasingly toxic political culture in which people feel permission to dehumanize one another. And the ultimate consequences of dehumanization are violence.
2: For Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Mary Sherman. Thanks for listening. And that concludes our
1: headline news for tonight. Coming up, Greater Ithaca Activity Center Executive Director. Leslie McBean Claiborne reflects on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and GX MLK breakfast was held on Saturday. That's after the break on WRFI Community Radio News. First, a little music. Stay with us. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That song was the anthem of the movement to make Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday a federal holiday, which is celebrated, like today, on the third Monday of every January. The Civil Rights Pioneer would have been 92 on January 15th, this past Friday. This is WRFI Community Radio News. I'm Michaela Savick.
3: And I'm Ethan Oscar. Today is Martin Luther King Day, and in recognition of the holiday, Greater Ithaca Activity Center held its annual MLK Breakfast over the weekend in a virtual setting. WRFI news contributor Peter Champelli caught up with GIAC Executive Director Leslyn McBean-Claiborne about the event and what MLK Day means this year in particular.
0: Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and this past Saturday, the Greater Ithaca Activity Center, or GIAC, held their annual breakfast event commemorating the Civil Rights Leader. Thank you so much again for making time to talk to me today.
4: Thank you, Peter. You know it's important to me because it's Sunday football, and I'm talking to you.
0: (laughs) That's Leslin McBean
1: Claiborne.
4: And I have been the director at GX for, I believe, the past five years. Interesting enough, it was at uh, GX Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast that the mayor announced um, that he was appointing me after a national search as the director of GX. It was at an MLK breakfast five years ago. So it's always a day for celebration for me in more than one way.
0: She's also the chair of the Tompkins County Legislature and has represented District 2 in the city of Ithaca.
4: Since 2001, last year, and then again this year, my colleagues elected me to be chair of the legislature. Last year, it was not lost in me that as that election was going down, it was during February Black History Month, and there I was, standing at the podium, elected as chair of the legislature, and on my left shoulder hung the Pan-African flag, the
0: red, black, and green. find that there's crossover between your role at GAC and uh, as the chair of the legislature.
4: The platform that GAC operates from, the foundation of which is social justice issues, any kind of racial and economic justice issues, are the things that fueled my experiences that I brought to the legislature. And as a body, we also talk about those things in the legislature and how important it is for us to, one, provide the safety net services for us to make sure that those who are most marginalized and disenfranchised in our community, those who are living in the condition of poverty, get their needs met. So those things, they do cross over.
0: So for McBean Claiborne, these two roles, serving in the legislature and being a longtime staff member turned executive director of GIAC, go hand in hand. And I asked her to tell me about their Martin Luther King Jr. Day breakfast this year, which was, of course, online.
4: How is everybody doing this morning? And I just get a thumbs up. Uh, yay! I'm glad that you could be here. I'm coming at you live. We um, could not imagine not off. having the Martin Luther King Jr. community breakfast this year. And it was a struggle trying to figure out how do we do this. We are used to four to 500 people gathering in the space of BJM cooking up a breakfast and serving to the community as a staff. We had to have an event where we can just be there, and even through Zoom, still bask in that energy and that hope that tomorrow brings.
0: The virtual breakfast event included pre-produced videos highlighting GX work, quotes from Martin Luther King Jr.
2: Now is the
0: time to make real the promises of democracy a musical performance from local band sing Trees and something different this year a keynote presenter Dr. Wright-Rigger
4: it was different in the sense that normally we have somebody who comes and speaks for you know 15 20 minutes this year we said we want to do an, a larger educational piece
0: Dr is an associate professor of American history at Brandeis University and she wrote the award-winning book, The Loneliness of the Black Republican, Pragmatic Politics and the Pursuit of Power. But before we get into her talk, I wanted to rewind a bit, because it's important to point out that this year's theme for the event, Facing the Divide, and having Dr. Leah wright Regard speak, the GIAC team made both of those decisions long ago, in the midst of the surge of racial justice protests and the movement for black lives, but before the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th.
4: We proclaim our devotion to democracy, but we sadly practice the very opposite of the democratic creed. That was a quote from Dr. King from Strength to Love. And when we thought about that quote, we had it a long time. We just didn't know what we were going to do. And then all these things started happening. We're seeing the divide that's happening with COVID-19. And you know the the people who are being most affected. You know the marginalized groups, the black and brown and indigenous folks. We're seeing this and We said we have to do something because of the protests all summer of 2020 and before that uh, around black lives and the unjust killing of black men in the street and we saw our country erupt in protest following the death of george floyd and brianna taylor one after the other and i can keep naming names which is one after the other we contacted her and said you know you know we, we have this quote and it, and it fits with what's been going on for unfortunately for black, brown, indigenous people in this community that these unjust killings and some unreported, that this is, can't keep going on. So can you speak to this? And she said, yes, I'd love to talk about why Black Lives Matter, America's racial reckoning. And then <laughs> the domestic terrorism happened on January 6th. Leah wanted to know if it would be okay to address the riots in Capitol Hill. And I wrote back and said, she must. So that's one thing that changed. I was like, no, she must. There's not okay. Like, this is a must. Our theme speaks directly to what just happened. So we brought Dr. Uh, uh, Wright Regurin, and she brought it.
5: So the first thing I wanna point out is that our nation is in crisis. And I think that was on display for everyone to see um, in the Capitol riots last week, January 6th. But it's actually been more than that. In fact, we've experienced essentially um, nearly a year of protest and riot. And I think the other thing that it kind of points out is that our world is actually in crisis as well. So it's not just the health pandemic or the you know the medical pandemic that we're facing with the coronavirus but it's also a racial pandemic that we're facing and I'll get more into that in a a second. Now, where do we start? For me, I'm a historian and that's my training. So I have to start from the beginning and that beginning is reconstruction. And I wanna be clear that in the same way that radical reconstruction was comprehensive, so too was this thing that develops out of the end of radical reconstruction. So we call this system Jim Crow, we call it segregation and it exists across the entire country. In fact, what we see is that there's a system, right? There are conscious decisions within the system to criminalize Black people and dehumanize Black people. So Black free life holds no value to greater white society. And I want to point out that, you know, under slavery, Black people embodied wealth because they were property. And so what we see is that in the aftermath of the end of slavery, Black people don't Black people don't have those same kinds of value to white society. Now, how is this enforced, right? We see that it's enforced through a number of different ways. First, policing, we have to talk about that. Police become a reinforcer of racial and social hierarchy. They're brought in not to serve and protect, but to remind Black people of their inhumane status and ensure that Black people don't get out of line. Um, And what's really important here too, is that despite all of these things that are put in place in order to repress Black life, Black autonomy or Black freedom begins to emerge um, in Black Wall Street. So Black Wall Street is an example of Black freedom or Black autonomy. What happens? 99 years ago, almost 100 years ago, white residents of Tulsa burned down uh, Black Wall Street. So in other words, racial massacres become a way of reinforcing racial hierarchy. And so what we see are white fears of Black prosperity. It's a warning and a reminder to Black people not to be prosperous. It's also um, critical to keep in mind that in Black Wall Street, one of the things that Black people don't have going for them is that police actually exacerbate the tensions. So the people that are designed to protect and serve actually do the opposite. So they ignore the attacks initially. And then later, they actually participate in the massacre. And I want us to keep that in mind because one of the things that has emerged in the past couple of days on, uh, with regard to the capital attacks, the capital riots, attacks on the Capitol, is that police also participated in some capacities in those attacks. So I want us to think about right, the connection between the moment of Black Wall Street, but also the moment of the Capitol riots. Now, the final point that I wanna bring up here, and you'll see a slide that says you know, essentially, is this America? And, and it's that infamous view of you know trump supporters storming the american Capitol, and posing and here's the one that the one that struck out stood out to me is here's someone posing right you have the red hats on the right side but then you have this man on the left side of the screen holding a confederate flag and we've heard a lot of conversation saying how could this happen why is this happening now is this america and i want to point out i think that i had to end with this because yes this is america and that in moments of progress, it's no mistake to me. It's no uh, mistake to me that in a moment where Georgia went uh, Democratic largely because of Black voters, that Black voters, in fact, tipped the scales across the board in this election with a through an alliance with Black, Brown, Indigenous, and White suburbanites tipped the scales of this election away from the sele- uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the elements of white supremacy in some respects that of course there was going to be a backlash that is rooted in repressing and uh, repression of progress. So yes, this is America.
0: GX describes the annual Martin Luther King Jr. Day Breakfast as a time for movement building. And I asked Leslyn McMean Claiborne, what she thinks the GIAC team and the attendees took away from Dr. Reiburger's talk, the Q&A period between the presenter and the attendees, and the event as a whole.
4: We hope to bring her back another time because there's just so many more (laughs) deeper dives that we could be doing in some of the issues she talked about um, and leaving us with great advice on how to get involved. What do you do? How do you change this narrative that seems to be uh, the story of America how do we, as she said, work towards transformational change rather than transactional change, creating the connections to make that happen because that's what will have its greatest impact and that's what would stick. We also took away from that, you know, all of us and especially our white colleagues our white brothers and sisters working towards convincing themselves and each other, that their interest lie in cross-cultural solidarity and reference what we saw with the protests for Black Lives Matter. You know, white people standing out front, leading some of the marches, being in solidarity, being a partner in this movement, not an ally, but a partner, being an agitator along with us. That was really important. So going forward, we hope at GEAC to continue to engage community in not only conversation, but real action steps that we can take uh, to move this needle. We try to do well in Ithaca, but we still have a lot of work to do. We're not there. We have a lot of work to do.
0: For WRFI Community Radio News, I'm Peter Campelli.
1: You just heard Greater Ithaca Activities Center Executive Director Leslin McBean-Claiborne reflecting on GX annual breakfast event held on Saturday to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.
3: And that will do it for our program today. To get the latest news on the local, regional, and state stories about COVID-19, visit wrfi.org slash coronavirus. WRFI Community Radio News is available as a podcast, updated every weeknight shortly after our program. To take our show on the go, visit wrfi.org to subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Our show today was produced by uh, yours truly, Michaela Savitt, and the headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI contributors Susan Fortson and Fred Balfour. Peter Champelli, our assistant general manager here at RFI, was our feature producer. Eitan Avgar was my co-anchor today. We'll be back tomorrow night and every weekday evening at 6 with more of the stories impacting our communities. On behalf of the entire WRFI News team, take care. Be well.
5: Two, three. W. R. F. I. I.